Investment advisory services offered through Daniel Meyer, a registered investment advisor. During this show, Daniel Meyer provides general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and is not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and products or services should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory services. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Forge Private Wealth. By contacting Forge Private Wealth, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products. All right, we've all heard of cash is king. In retirement, it's cash flow that leads the charge. Today, we'll dig into cash flow in retirement and offer some suggestions that could help you maintain your current lifestyle. Welcome in to Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. The solution set is going to be designed in such a way that it's helping bridge the gap between where the client is and where they want to go. Your retirement matters. One size never fits all. There's no one approach in financial planning. There's no one investment solution or product solution that should fit more people than it's designed for. He has the heart of an educator. There's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle. And now, Capital Insights. Welcome in. This is Capital Insights. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. And with me today is Daniel Meyer. Dan is a fiduciary, nearly 20 years helping folks getting to and through retirement. He is a fiduciary, uh, almost 20 years, uh, you know, helping folks get to and through. So, uh, hi, Daniel. How's things? Things are great. Things are great. Yeah, good. The, uh, and um, so we're talking about cash flow. We hear it all the time. And, and uh, you know, cash is king. And we certainly we know that. Uh, but it, when it comes to retirement, it, it, it really is all about the cash flow. It's, the, it's that money coming in because it's all got a, a spot to go on the way out, right? Right. Well, just like when we're preparing for retirement, it's about the money you're able to put away on a monthly basis, putting it in the right place, growing it in the appropriate manner. Uh, when you get to retirement, it really does switch to cash flow. Uh, not only making sure that it is, you know, set up right so that you can cover your main expenses or the things that you want to do, uh, but that it's designed in such a way um, to fit your unique needs and to meet, you know, your long-term objectives um, and not, you know, be thrown off or put in jeopardy by you know, the unexpected. Sure. And um, so when we're looking at, at cash flow, obviously we have to have income to create that cash flow. So the income's coming from any number of places. I mean, Social Security, obviously, but then the rest of our, our plan fits into that as well. Right. Like you said, Social Security, uh, there may be pension payments. Um, we've got the retirement accounts that we'd be potentially taking, you know, a fixed distribution or just um, you know, lump withdrawals from, um, and it all fits together to help uh, meet someone's expense needs. Um, and that's not a one size fits all, you know, equation. Everybody's got a different outlook on um, what expenses look like in retirement. Sometimes it's um, a plan that really heavily, um, let's just say, invest in experiences early on, traveling, doing things at the beginning portion of retirement, um, others might have a completely opposite objective um, where they're more focused on an eventual estate passing and doing something for their extended family and, and leaving a legacy and, and anything in between. 
right? Right. Um, so it really is no one size fits all. And again, it becomes uh, it, the challenge is to you to be able to take what we have accumulated over the years and and begin to sort of repurpose that into getting us through retirement and, and having the kind of lifestyle that we want. Absolutely. And I think, um, and with the clients that I've worked with over time, something that is really interesting is it's not just a chance to look at your expenses in a standard format and say, okay, here's what I spend on a monthly basis on housing, on healthcare, on other things. But when you make that retirement transition, um, it's a really good opportunity to reframe and potentially even redefine what your lifestyle is and what it'll look like um, over your new, you know, uh, retirement that you've, you've embarked on. And it can be, you know, so many different ways that, like I said, no one size fits all, people will figure out what works best for them. Absolutely. Uh, 888-908-0503. That's the number to call, folks, if you'd like to get a head start. So we're talking about cash flow in retirement. And uh, so we've got to have the income to make it. Uh, and that income has to cover our expenses. And in order for us to fully understand our expenses, we need to put a budget together. Absolutely. And um, again, when we talk about financial planning and doing specifically retirement income planning, um, it really is something that's unique to the person or the family that is going through that process. Um, something that is very common is that we'll figure out what are the baseline expenses that are in the budget that we need to cover on a monthly basis every single month, regardless of what's happening within maybe the retirement uh, investment portfolio um, or what's happening within their lives. Um, define what those baseline expenses are, and then above uh, that, maybe what the desired discretionary spending would be um, that we'll manage on an ongoing basis. Well, and, and in all honesty, uh, uh, Daniel, what, how often are people that together when they come in to see you with, as far as the budget goes? Right. Um, it's, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you'd be surprised, right. right? They come in and they've got that all, you know, put in a spreadsheet, organized, but more often than not, um, it's a general, you know, call it static number that they might have in their mind. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that number when it comes to the budget is just a, a, a fixed amount they would like to be able to spend per month. Um, other times it's not even that defined and it's more of just, uh, well, whatever my portfolio does, I guess that's what it does, right? Um, <laughs> and guess. so wherever someone's starting from the planning process, we're looking to take them and just add additional context and clarity that can help them um, realized, you know, some of the options they have when it comes to creating income with uh, the resources that they've accumulated over the course of their lifetime. So when it comes to budgeting, uh, we kind of dug into that a little bit. And now we're talking investment strategies. And this is where, you know, this is kind of your sweet spot. You've got the strategies to help create the kind of income and or cash flow that we need. Right. And, you know, just like we said, but the expenses and budgeting, you know, the equation is different every single time. And based on that, we're going to have a custom investment strategy that is meant to meet those specific needs for the client that we're working with at that time. Um, so depending on what the income plan is going to look like um, and maybe what some of the other desired goals are, um, we're going to tailor the portfolio to manage a risk in such a way that we have the best probability for success long term and meeting those expenses 
fitting within that budget and um, also allowing them flexibility to have the discretionary spending that they desire um, and the flexibility for the unknown that you know we may not be able to plan for, but we do know that things happen in the markets or on the other side in your life when it comes to your health or your plans for what you'd like to do. Um, and we want to be flexible and be able to adjust as those things occur. Well, and again, as far as strategies goes, uh, one of them could be an annuity, right? I mean, that could be a part of our strategy. Absolutely. Um, when it comes to positioning an annuity as part of an income plan in retirement, um, it can be very helpful because you're going to get, you know, if, if let's say you have Social Security and pension payments coming in and you just have a gap between the income you've already built for yourself in retirement and maybe the amount you'd like to cover or that you would define as those baseline expenses. An annuity can help solve that. Um, there's also additional strategies within the portfolio management process that we can implement to help uh, create an income plan outside of the use of an annuity. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's we never go into a meeting with a client, even if we know the numbers, assuming that one or the other is just going to be a solution for them by default. Right. Right. It's going to come through uh, deepening our understanding of where they want to go, um, what, you know, they've done in the past and, and based on the, what they've got working for them. What, what, you know, it may be one path or the other or neither. I mean, it, it's going to be based on what gives us the best chances for success. Sure. Um, so longevity, that is something we talk about. I think most every week it comes up because we are living longer. There's no question about that. But we have to take that into account as we put together that plan. That's why you're planning out so far, whether it's, you know, 90 or 100 or 120, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, from a planning standpoint, I think it's always prudent to go conservatively long when you when it comes to, you know, planning for a retirement income. And, you know, I always tell clients, right, uh, we've we've worked hard for a long time to build up this nest egg. Let's plan for a long, healthy retirement and, you know, enjoying it. Um, and again, we'll build in flexibility for what happens down the road. Um, you know, if it's life takes us in a different direction. But in the meantime, we don't want longevity and having a long, healthy life and living into the 90s or even beyond 100 to be a negative because we didn't, you know, plan in advance um, for use of the income sources or their accumulated assets to be able to carry them that far, right? We want that to be something we celebrate um, and that we're prepared for in advance. I like it. Uh, flexibility, I think that really is a key, isn't it? Because just because we put this plan together today and maybe you're not going to retire for five years, we need to take a look at that plan along the way, each and one of those five years to make sure that it's still right for us. Absolutely. Uh, we need flexibility and in, in the preparation for retirement. Um, we need to be prepared for a number of different scenarios on that day one when someone, you know, pops the champagne bottle and says, I have worked my final day and I've now retired. Um, we don't want things like uh, a market downturn on the first day someone retires to affect their longevity. We don't want um, any other life events or market events to get in the way of what they've been planning for and working for. Um, so we always build in flexibility for the unknown, right? right? And, you know, buffers into, you know, making sure we have enough resources allocated. Right. So, I mean, do. again, it is important to have those buffers and, and you know, 
floors to that we don't crash through and we don't, you know, make a gutter ball, right? Right, right. <laughs> The um, uh, 888-908-0503. Well, Daniel, let's uh, t- look, tell you what. Let's uh, take a quick break. Let's invite folks to call, and we'll be right back. Sounds great, yeah. If what we're talking about is of interest to you, you're out there and you're wondering, you know, I'm in the period leading up to retirement. I'm not quite sure if I thought through turning my portfolio into an income-based strategy um, or what that would look like. Uh, we'd love to have the conversation with you. It's all about knowing what your options are, um, ex- you know, exploring all of those options and seeing what may be a best fit for you. Um, and whether that's working with us directly or just seeing what's available in the broader community, um, we take a very transparent, straightforward approach and laying out those options so that you can decide yourself what would most empower you to accomplish what you want to accomplish financially. Hey, that sounds fantastic, Daniel. Give us a call. It's 888-903-0503, an opportunity for you to really get a comprehensive financial review showing you where you are today. But more importantly, it does become that well, that roadmap, if you will, that can help get us to where you want to be when it comes to retirement. 888-908-0503, 888-908-0503. And when we come back, we're going to get into behavioral finance. It's a field of study that examines how human psychology and behavior affect financial decisions and outcomes. When it comes to retirement planning, behavioral finance can have a significant influence in several areas. We'll take a deep dive into that and more when we come. Daniel Meyer. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Uh, Daniel is a fiduciary to, to helping folks uh, getting to and through retirement. If you'd like to learn more about Daniel and his team, check out ForgePW.com. That's Forge, F-O-R-G-E-P-W.com. It's a great website to check out. And uh, so this is a fascinating subject to me, Daniel. And, and we're talking about behavioral finance. And sort of what makes us tick financially is very telling sometimes. And I think for a lot of us, it's confusing. And so let's see how this, uh, let's how behavioral finance begins to influence how we look at retirement and retirement planning. And that starts with the, the biases that we have. And we all have them when it comes to finance, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and there's so many different things about you know, what someone's financial experience is, you know, what in the financial services industry or as an investor, um, you know, you can run into things that rub you the wrong way or have a bad experience uh, or possibly just be getting your financial news or your knowledge around what you're looking to do from a source that maybe isn't totally comprehensive. And it builds those those tendencies and those biases over time, right? Sure. So, you know, and it can be a number of things, you know, that could affect your decision making. You know, it could be uh, maybe you've built a little bit of confidence, maybe a little too much confidence because you've made a couple good stock picks over time. Um, or, you know, you've had on the opposite side, 
maybe a couple rough goes in the investment market and your you know aversion to loss you've built is is extreme enough that maybe it's very tough to even get the appropriate level of risk exposure to get the growth that would be needed in order to accomplish your long-term goals right? right there's a number of other things as well but those are just a couple of examples right but but again it's those kinds of things that influence us and that's where you come in because you see things objectively you don't have the emotion that we do with our money and that is a good thing absolutely and you know, part of that is, you know, obviously working within the industry and doing this with clients of all different backgrounds and all different situations, we've come across a lot of the different types of biases that we just mentioned before. Um, and we've also seen some that maybe we weren't quite able to fully get someone to, you know, maybe maneuver away from, and you can see some of the impact that it may have. So as you develop in your career and you start to, you know, really get comfortable with the fact that, you know, in the end, the client is in charge and this is their financial life and they have things they want to accomplish. And we do our best to advise them on a path forward within their comfort level. Um, but we do need to also sometimes have the uncomfortable conversations around something that maybe is a uh, preconceived notion about, and you know, the investment world or mm -hmm. any any part of this that might be getting in their way, um, unnecessarily to, you know, a clearer direction and getting able to uh, accomplish their goals. So and when we talk about framing and perception and how we are presented, meaning me as a potential client, uh, how we are presented information oftentimes influences our decision on which way we're going to go. I mean, again, part of that sales, I know, but that's not what you do. But it, I mean, again, but those are the kinds of things that we have to realize and, and just what is impacting those decisions. Right. Absolutely. Right. Uh, when it comes to thinking about that, you know, the framing and perception of the planning phase or moving into the retirement income phase, it's really getting the appropriate context around what are our objectives in the things that we're doing at, in these different phases. Um, are we actually spending our time and effort accomplishing, you know, to the best of our ability, the real fundamental objectives, or are we getting lost a little bit in some of the noise that surrounds, you know, retirement planning, you know, or once you're in the income phase, the income distribution, because there's so much chatter out there about the way you should be doing things, or everyone else is doing this. And if you're not doing it, you may be losing out, right? Those yeah. can, those, those types of things that exist out there can drive fear or drive, you know, tendencies that aren't always helpful. All right. I, this next one, too, I find interesting. It's herd behavior and social influence. And boy, oh, boy, you talk about digital media, you know, social media and, and the influence that that has. And it can be so misguided. Uh, so we have to be aware of that. But that really is one of the things that that we have to be aware of. Absolutely. And an information age that we're in where, you you know, you're constantly bombarded with um the type of information, whether it's directly about finance or indirectly talking about, you know, the economy or some other aspect that, you know, usually is reported in a way that is a little bit more extreme or a little bit something that's going to hold your interest because 
it sounds like we might be going through something that's challenging or a little bit scary. And that tends to drive people to, uh, to pay attention to what everyone else is doing and think, well, if that's what they're doing, I'll do that too, right? It's the traditional mentality of, you know, I don't want to be the one without a chair when the music stops. Right. And, and, and if, you know, so if everyone else is going this direction, that must be the right thing to do. I will do that as well. Okay, fair enough. Right. And, and uh, so we talk about that, that, you know, the social influence. Have, are there, are there, is anything in, that, in your mind that sticks out as what you have to sort of correct people on? In other words, what they believe, maybe it's about annuities or maybe there's, you know, there must be a few things that pop up that you go, well, you know, not really. <laughs> uh, all kinds of things, right? I mean, I, it's almost tough to know where to start. Um, when it comes to, like you said, annuities, uh, annuities can be, uh, an incredibly useful tool for clients, but they can also be a touchy topic, oh, sure. right? Um, and when you mentioned before, sometimes in the financial services arena, um, there's organizations or individuals that take more of a sales approach and maybe will focus very heavily on something like an annuity. And if you think about a specific annuity, maybe fitting 6% of you know, the type, you know, the, the clients that come in and meet with you on a regular basis, but someone out there is applying this as a solution to 100% of the people that they're meeting with. Uh, it just drives, and it doesn't mean that it's not a best fit for some people or that it doesn't have a proper role. Um, but the, the, there starts to be a reputation out in the financial world around things like annuities. Um, but and a lot of other, you know, things to pay, well, like you know, taking insurances. Social security at 62. I right. did it. So should you. Right. I mean. Right. Right. And again, we, we, we always fall back on the financial planning discussion because that's, a you know, when it comes to framing this appropriately, taking some of the biases away and also maybe separating our decision making from some of our emotional feelings around things. Uh, that's where we dive into the plan and use a plan as our foundation for deciding if something like an annuity is appropriate or if uh, another income strategy for someone's retirement income is is a better fit. Sure. Right. Right. Well, and and again, I like the, uh, you know, the emotional aspect of things because that's, uh, once again, you don't have the emotion. You take, you take the emotion away and just let us see and let the math tell the story because the math can't lie. Right. Right. Um, and our goal in doing that is not, it, it's not to, push someone into taking um, action or doing something that is inappropriate for them, you know, especially when you talk about emotions around financial services, people think about a client's risk appetite, right? And right. Our, our goals and, and, and jumping into the numbers and having a plan is not to say, we're going to put you beyond your comfort level and have you take excess risk. Um, it's more of finding the proper alignment, um, you know, not where we're going to take someone and try and push them where they, they really shouldn't be. How much of a problem is procrastination in, re, in regards to retirement planning, income planning? Oh, it's a huge problem, right? And, you know, I, I, I hesitate to put out statistics, right? Because, right. you know, what, is, what do they say? 95% of statistics are just numbers that, you know, it can be very de deceptive. But um, we do know that there is an issue out there of the general population not 
being quite as prepared for retirement um, and the retirement income side of things as they should be. And procrastination is a large part of that. Um, you know, and we see it in other aspects of our, our lives as well, right? You know, if I should get healthier and change some of my routine around, you know, how I eat or how active I am. And there's always the promise of tomorrow, right? I can take care of it tomorrow. Um, I can make those changes tomorrow. Um, making an actual change to your routine or to your the way you look at your finances and the way you're planning can be a bit uncomfortable. But once you've pushed through that barrier, um, you know, that's really when you can see the you know, the fruit of, of doing so. Sure. Well, and again, um, and being an advisor, a fiduciary advisor like you are, that makes it very, um, I think, very easy as a client to feel, okay, you are looking out for me. You are, you know, you got my back. Right. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's not only, like you said, it, having the client's back, having the role that we do, it is also that degree of separation of, the client is attached to their money and their assets differently than you are as the planner assisting them, right? Right. So to take that um, into a more extreme example, um, I've worked in an office setting where there's multiple financial advisors working as part of one team. And we would actually um, pair up and say, I'm going to be the advisor for my partner and they're going to be my advisor. And I'm going to have that degree of separation for my personal finances the same way that my clients do when they come in and work with me. Because if I don't acknowledge the fact that even I have biases and tendencies that maybe make me look at my situation different than a client situation, then I'm not practicing what I preach. Right. right? <laughs> well, again, yeah. And, but that's what you want to do. Absolutely. Sure. And well, what, yeah. when it comes to the stuff, I mean, I actually have a, a quote that I really like when it comes to, you know, thinking about this. It's from Mark Twain. He said, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. The secret of getting started is breaking your complex, uh, breaking down your complex, overwhelming tasks into smaller manageable tasks, um, and then getting started with the very first one, sure. right? Um, so for people that are listening, if you feel like, you know, that what we described earlier about you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about tomorrow and pushing things off on, um, you know, if, if you want to take that first step, a very manageable first step, just come in, sit down, we'll have a conversation. And as I've mentioned in the past, we'll lay out options for you to consider and you can uh, evaluate for yourself and see what's right for you. Sounds great, Daniel. 888-908-0503. Take advantage of the comprehensive financial review. No cost, no obligation. Just make the call. Make that first step. Just like he just said, 888-908-0503. 888-908-0503. Quick break. We've got more to talk about here on the Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer.
Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. On Capital Insights, I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Daniel Meyer is here. Dan is a fiduciary. Uh, nearly 20 years helping folks. And uh, you, again, when, you, when you've when you been doing it as long as you have, Daniel, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of eye-opening, I think, for, for you some days when, you know, you're doing things that, I mean, there are no two days the same for you. I guess that's what I'm getting at. No, you're right. No two days, two days are the same because no two clients are exactly the same, right? Um, and furthermore, you know, we, we developed this long-term standing relationship uh, with clients uh, that we mentioned last week. It starts to feel like an extension of your friend and family group, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just that no two clients are the same, uh, but no two paths stay straight and narrow. You're always working with changes and uh, yeah, it, it keeps you sharp, keeps you sharp for sure. And one of the things that we're talking about here in this segment is uh, ways that retirees could be overspending or, or could, well, really just uh, managing their money and wasting money. And overspending is certainly one that uh, comes to mind. And we actually talked a little bit about this, I think, in the first segment. Absolutely. I think um, when we look at the retirement income phase, uh, it's not always easy to figure out without sitting down with someone and going through a formal retirement income plan, um, how much of the money I've put away can I actually spend on an annual basis, right? Um, there's a lot of people I meet that uh, maybe when they're saving for retirement, they come up with a number in their mind and say, once I accumulate that amount, then I'll be able to retire. Sometimes it's, you know, a just a round flat number to say, okay, I've been putting away for years. Once I have a million dollars in my retirement account, I know I'll be comfortable moving into retirement. But once they're in the distribution phase, the reality of what that actually produces on an annual basis in sustainable income might not you know, align perfectly with what their hopes were in terms of the lifestyle that they would want to have based on their savings, right? So if you think about looking at a large number on paper, whether it's, like I said, a million dollars or whatever other number you can think of, and then just feeling like, well, I can go out and spend as much as I want. Uh, Sometimes that takes what we discussed earlier, the concept of longevity and retirement and makes it more of a burden than a celebration because we find ourselves several years down the line, you know, realizing that we should have had a, uh, a tighter budget and a tighter income plan. Sure. And um, okay, so these are things that can cost us money if if we're not careful. We can't ignore healthcare costs. I mean, healthcare, you know, uh, or health really inflation is is out of control. Has been for a long time. Doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. But we've got to really get a handle on that. What kinds of things do you tell people? Uh, well, you're right. It's a significant cost that we're going to have in retirement, right? Um, it's not again not always easy for someone who's especially if they're doing this themselves to say here's how much i should plan for healthcare on and on an annual basis in retirement first off it's probably not going to be a linear monthly expense second of all uh depending on the age you retire you may have a period of time where you are 
um, insuring using the um, the uh, insurance markets out there pre-Medicare, and then you may be on Medicare for a time. And then obviously in the, once you're eligible for Medicare, um, there are so many different things to consider in terms of um, additional plans or coverages that you may want to have. And it's all based not just on where you live and how you're set up financially, but what your healthcare needs are and where you prefer to get your healthcare from um, so that you can continue to see your doctor and continue to have the right type of care and not have a disruption because you didn't plan for it in advance. Exactly. And one of the things that we've talked about before, Daniel, and, and uh, we'll do it again right now, is talking about optimizing Social Security. Now that, you know, you read the statistics and I'm, I'm not, I don't have them in front of me, but for, for a large number of people, they take six, they take their Social Security starting at 62 simply because they can. There's no strategy. There's no forethought. There's no afterthought. Right, right. And, you know, a lot of the, the mindset that, that causes some of these issues, uh, we talked about in the previous segment when it came to, um, you know, behavioral finance and how you look at this, this stuff. Right. Um, a lot of people come into retirement and say, well, I'm... 61, 62, I'm ready to be done working, so I'll just retire. Um, I see that I can take Social Security, um, and I'm just, I, I'm looking to make a change. I don't want to work where I'm at anymore, so I'll just trigger Social Security to start paying out, and that way I can make the retirement move, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, not looking at all the options you have in terms of delaying to uh, full retirement age or even a little beyond to see what that could mean for you long term. Um, again, I'm not saying that everybody that's out there should be taking Social Security at an older age. Everybody's got a different situation, but at least running the numbers and having a clear understanding so that you can make an educated choice is a really important exercise, I think, for everyone to go through. Is it eye-opening for people when you run the uh, run that Social Security report and, and they've got three or four options in front of them going, huh, who knew? It, it can be eye-opening. I think that uh, I think a lot of people actually have an understanding that they know that if they wait that their um, monthly benefit is going to be higher than if they take it earlier. Mm -hmm. They may not understand how much or... Um, when we talked about reframing the thought process around retirement expenses and um, retirement income and how that that feels different than the accumulation phase, sometimes a change of a couple hundred bucks or 600 bucks or 800 bucks early, you know, and if they're 62 and they're retiring, it, that may not seem like a lot, but then when you're in the distribution mode and having that extra six or $800 a month might be a really big deal in terms of that longevity or having the additional funds needed for that, you know, kind of discretionary spending pad that people are looking for. 888-908-0503. Um, you know, I was reading, again, apparently scams are on the rise again. I mean, there's any number of them out there. And I think with this AI thing going on, I think it's going to be even more prominent. We've got to be careful. We don't want to get taken. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, you mentioned AI and you know, when we think about what that might mean for the investment in the financial services community, I mean, we're still so early in this process that I think we're going to learn a lot in the near future. But when it comes to that or other things driving, you know, fraudulent schemes or scams, I think that just drives home the importance of finding someone 
that you can create a relationship with that you know that is connected um, to the financial services industry and community that you can help have help you kind of weed that stuff out and avoid exposure to it altogether, right? If you just go online and say, okay, I'm just going to find something myself. And especially if you're going as far as looking for investment options or other things like that, um, and you're not going to get that, um, let's just call it infrastructure from having that advisor and their extended organization in place, um, you really have to be careful with what you're with, with where you end up when you start that process. Sure. And, you know, I think too, taxes, because just because we retire, the IRS has not closed for business. They still have their handout and they need your money. <laughs> but you've, but you would talk before about strategies that, that help minimize or mitigate taxes entirely. Absolutely. I think when it comes to taxes and retirement, um, it, it's, if you don't factor that into your equation, when you think about creating retirement income, you are going to end up in a situation where you have less than you thought you would, right? You're still going to have to pay taxes in retirement. That being said, um, depending on where you are in the planning process, the earlier you can get started with a tax plan for your retirement income, the more of an impact you could potentially make in allocating the savings you're putting away for yourself now in the appropriate places so that you not only potentially have more money set aside in a way that you won't have as income taxable as you would if you maybe only used uh, you know, a 401k or some of the traditional methods that a lot of times are provided through your employer and are the easiest avenue for getting started. Uh, but also it's that year to year flexibility, right? Um, if we've got some money that we can pull that is not going to drive up our income tax um, burden. Uh, if we have an unexpected expense where we need to pull 10000 or 20000 you know, we, we've already got a retirement income plan ticking along and we've got our monthly amount coming out. But if we don't have to pull those additional funds from an account that's going to be income taxable, we're not throwing off our tax plan. And in some ways, we can even control the rate that the income taxable assets are getting taxed at because the total withdrawal for the year may not be as vulnerable to some of those scenarios that you can't necessarily plan for. All right. And uh, on that note, we have once again run out of time. Daniel, let's uh, invite folks to call. Absolutely. Well, we've talked about some of the common mistakes that can occur when you're planning for your retirement income. Uh, there's a lot of other things to consider. Uh, but again, I still think finding a time to have someone sit down with you, um, not only go through some of the things that may be red flags um, in your situation and say, hey, you might want to reconsider what you're doing here. You may want to reevaluate how you're paying for this or how you're planning for that. But just looking at the entire picture and saying, I, I, I know I've had these options available to me. I haven't necessarily taken action on the things that I know I could be doing for myself and aligning that retirement income, but I'm ready to sit down and um, do that checkup and figure out what additional steps are needed for, you know, giving myself the best chance for success. So um, we would love to do that for you. We take time every week to set aside. Um, we set aside several meeting slots that are just for people that listen to this show. And we're incredibly excited about showing you what that looks like and what we could do for you.
That's great, Dan. 888-908-0503. Be a part of it. Uh, you're going to be able to get that comprehensive financial review along with all the extras, and there is no cost. There's no obligation. Just a chance to see where you're headed when it comes to retirement. 888-908-0503. 888-908-0503. One more quick break. We're coming back. We've got another segment to go on Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. Hey, when we come back, we have got questions from listeners and we're going to put Dan on the spot. He's got the answers. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Capital Insights, our final segment together with Dan Meyer. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Dan Fiduciary, uh, you will find uh, his website, forgepw.com. That's F-O-R-G-E, forgepw.com. And uh, you, so we were talking about this. You are, uh, you're married. You've got some, you've got, what, three kids? Four kids. Four. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to leave anybody out. No, that's okay. That's That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody's excited to be back in, in Madison. I, I know that you were away for some time, but it's it's nice to be back. It feels good. Oh, it feels great. I mean, um, I grew up in Madison. Um, I had a great time. And, you know, when I think back to my early years in Madison, I, I just think it's a great city in general. I mean, we love the, the, you know, different things that we can do here. Um, it's kind of a big city and a small town in one um, and then spending 15 years in Minneapolis, uh, six plus years in Phoenix, and then coming back, uh, my wife and I both grew up here. Um, in fact, we were from the same high school class. We were high school sweethearts. But it, it's, it's been really fun coming back with all four of our kids and being able to re-experience all the things we did as kids in the Madison area by taking them and letting them do it for the first time. Right. Yeah. Uh, going to some of the you know sporting events or, you know, last year I took my kids to, um, you know, a Badger football game, you know, going to, you know, telling them, hey, the Vitens golf course here is not just a mini golf course. This is like a mini golf course that you've never seen before. Right. There's there's so many great things to do here. Uh, we just love it. Yeah, right. And uh, again, folks, uh, give Daniel a call. He'd love to hear from you. It's 888-908-0503. All right, let's uh, jump into some of these questions and see what we've got. Artie has the first one. He says, do loan repayments count towards contribution amounts in 401k calculations? Yeah, the answer to this one is no, right? Um, So, you're able to take loans against your 401k, um, depending on the plan and if your employer has that set up for you. Um, but it, think of it this way. If you funded a, a 401k over five years or 10 years and you're able to take a loan against it, you, you know, you're, you're leveraging your own asset as the uh, collateral, if you will, to get the loan. Um, the loan is going against something, your contributions that were within limits uh, those contribution limits from the previous five or 10 years. So when you take that loan out and then pay it back, um, it's not going to affect your ability to contribute and it's not going to limit your contribution. All right. So, well, that makes sense. And, and I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? I mean, it seems mm-hmm. I would guess other people would have similar questions. Right. When, uh, when people hear that, Hey, 
you're able to take a loan against your 401k. It's not always that easy to understand how does that work or what does that look like? Um, so, you know, I get this question a lot when people are looking at sources like, you know, you know, we need funds and we're considering a personal loan, a home equity loan. And now we found out we can also potentially take a loan out against our 401k. What are the implications of this compared to the other options? And I know I'm a broken record when I say that there's a lot of moving parts to that. That's why we have the relationship. That's why we have the planning process. And we'll look at their situation and figure out what the best option is for them. Indeed. Uh, all right, Artie, give us a call. It's 888-908-0503. Gerald says, my wife's father passed away and she was left quite a bit of stock. Now, all the stock is in a single company that is, is a standard bearer. Now, we don't need to access the funds and plan to leave the principal to grow now, is there a better way to grow the money right now as opposed to leaving it all in stock? Hmm. See, I love this question because I come across maybe, I mean, different versions of this situation all the time, right? When you have assets that are in an older parent's uh, possession and then they pass to the next generation trying to figure out what to do with it, um, how to... Uh, you know, best be a steward of this asset because uh, many times, and, and this may sound funny if you haven't gone through this yourself, but I, I see clients feeling like they need to keep this money at arm's length, like it's not actually theirs, or, you know, that's how mom or dad left the money invested. So we're just going to leave it the way it is because, you know, even though the money is now for their purposes and not for, uh, the deceased parents' purposes, they don't feel comfortable making changes, right? Sure. So the the short answer, if they're looking for, should we leave it in a single stock or maybe look to broaden out and diversify a little bit? Um, that would be based on the conversation that we would have if we sat down and looked at what your objectives were, right? Um, I'm not going to tell you, hey, um, the you know some will tell you having all the money in one stock is not a great idea. What I would say is I never make that type of determination until I know more about you and what you're looking to do. But generally, we tend to want to take a situation like that and at least mitigate some of the single exposure, single company risk. Uh, even if you want to be 100% in stocks, let's maybe uh, broaden to even a, a slightly larger basket of stock options. All right. 888-908-0503 if you'd like to learn a little bit more. And, um, uh, Gerald, so, yeah, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Lacey is wondering, she says, retiring in about a month at the age of 62. Good for you. Uh, I mm -hmm. have a small pension. After 22 years of employment, they moved us all to a portable pension. So I was grandfathered into the original pension pension plan. So in addition to that pension, I was offered a lump sum of which I could roll into an IRA or I could get monthly installments for life. What's my play here? Lump sum or monthly installments? I like her question. Right. Well, first off, congratulations on, you know, being on the precipice of retirement. That's always an exciting time. Um, we talked earlier about you know, we talked about the expense and income side about it being a, an opportunity to reframe your thought process around uh, life and what you spend your time doing and what your your resources are going to help you accomplish. And that would definitely be well-timed for someone in this situation. So, you know, Lacey, 
sitting down and thinking through these options that you just put to us as a question from the standpoint, not just of giving you a quick answer, but of projecting out what that would actually do for you is what I would recommend, right? Sure. Um, I, without knowing you know, what other assets might be at play here, if there's additional retirement monies, um, or if there's money that's not in a retirement account, um, you know, maybe an inheritance, or if there's some real estate, there's always other moving parts. And we just want to know what those are, and align those with a better understanding of who Lacey is and what she's looking to do. Um, and that would educate our advice in this case. Okay, so um, obviously she's 62 now. Um, and she talked about a pension and then she got grandfathered in for the other pension. So are, do you see that often? Because I know the same thing happened with my sister years ago where she's a nurse and then the pension went away, the 401k came, but yet she still had this pension. Yeah. Um, more often than not nowadays, we see a situation just like you described, right? Um, it's less and less common that we are working with clients where they have um, either the majority or all of their retirement savings in a traditional pension. Um, it still does happen, right? And we have a lot that we can do for clients in that situation still, but it's very common that maybe they have a pension that um, at some previous date was transitioned like this one was and like your sister's was, uh, where they're going to have two pieces now to balance out. The traditional pension that again for I'm, I'm oversimplifying a little bit but that will provide an additional monthly income similar to what their social security would provide mm -hmm. and then another uh pool of assets that they have a little bit more control over that could also be annuitized in that way or it could be managed more as a lump sum in the account it's in or it could be done within an IRA, depending on what's best for them. All right. Boy, you, you make it sound so simple, but uh, but it really can be complicated, can it? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that, actually. I'm trying to explain things such that, you know, I know for people that are listening in, you know, both Lacey, but others that are in similar situations, you know, you're looking for some level of you know, actionable intel right away, just in the discussion that we're having. Um, but the caveat is always that, you know, it may sound simple when we're describing it like this, um, but the devil's always in the details. And we definitely want to get to know you better, get to know where you're going and see the rest of your financial picture. Because without that, we've got blinders on and we just see the information that you've given us. And we want to make sure that, you know, if we give advice based on that, we might be neglecting a really important piece of the puzzle. All right. And uh, so there you go, uh, Lacey. It's 888-908-0503. Let's see. We got time for one more. Let's go to Neil. Neil says, my question is this. When I start withdrawing from this account and only withdraw the long-term held funds, will I be will I only be taxed with the capital gains rate? If the withdrawals are from if the withdrawals are my only source of income, then does that mean my only taxes will be whatever the long-term capital gains tax rates are? Whew, seems to be getting into a getting into the weeds there a little bit. Right, right. Um, so first off, at, from a just a general standpoint, right? Your capital gains rates are going to be based on you know where your income rate is. Uh, your cap gains rates cannot push you higher in the income tax brackets. Uh, but there's quite a few things that go into this calculation. And before I can say confidently that, hey, 
The only thing you're going to deal with is the long-term cap gains rates. Um, we'd want to make sure that we really are doing a deep dive into the situation, and that really is the only variable that is uh, at play here. All right. right. Sure. So well, again, that's uh, well, I ahead. mean, again, yep. so what we've done is is successfully gone through this entire segment very quickly. Let's go ahead and invite folks to call one last time, Daniel. Absolutely. So we went through uh, some of the questions that came in. Thank you, everyone, for that submitted questions. Um, if you're listening to this now and you've got your own questions about, you know, we've talked about the financial planning process or income in retirement or even about how you think about these things um, and, and, and make prudent decisions. I mean, definitely give us a call. Uh, we set aside time every week to sit down with people like you, to help you gain clarity and to empower you to take where you're at today and where you're going in the future and align it such that you have the highest probability of success. And we love doing it. So give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. 888-908-0503. That's the number to call, folks. It's an opportunity for you to get a comprehensive financial review, no cost, no obligation. If you've never done it before, this is a great way to, to see where you are today when it comes to retirement. And, and then let Daniel put together a map that can help guide you to help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 888-908-0503. 888-908-0503. Zero five zero three, Daniel. It's a pleasure to talk with you, and and again, great information today as always. Thank you. I very much enjoyed it. Thank and, you. And we want to thank everybody for listening. We really do appreciate it. And we're going to come back next week with new questions and topics and a whole lot more right here on Capital Insights with Dan Meyer. Investment advisory services offered through Daniel Meyer, registered investment advisor. During the show, Daniel Meyer provides general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and is not liable for any stupid information discussed. Exposure to ideas and products or services should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any of these financial deals. This information should also not be considered tax or advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when they're doing, they do look more or less than they're any comments regarding safety, secure investments, and guaranteed concerns refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory services. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Forge Private Wealth. By contacting Forge Private Wealth, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.